Hey, Christy, how about we go on a little trip today? Have you been outside recently? We can't go on a trip. No, no, a trip through time. I have something to show you in the future. It'll be a lot of fun. You've had this the entire time. Well, no. Future me let me borrow his time machine for a little while. He knew that this was worth showing you. Okay, well, I guess show me whatever you like. Uh, Wait, what about the chrysalids? Oh, I'll just make it so that it's as if we never left. We'll be gone for like one second. Oh, makes sense. All right, dear, what have you got to show me? All right, dear, it's the year... Oh, dang it, we're not even there yet. It's the year 2306. Well, while we're here, what cool stuff happens in 2306? Welcome to the Baguette Consortium! Death to soft breads! Yeah, not into this. Hitting it. All right, surely... Nope, not there yet. We're in the year 10,307. You really didn't practice with this time travel stuff, huh? Well, what's going on in this year? Humans in this jurisdiction, we must eat them. Nope, nope, nope. Hitting it. Ha! We've... No, darn it, it's the year one million. We have a little bit more to go. Wait, is that a giant statue of me? Okay, nothing to see here. Let's just... The goddess! She has appeared after all this time! She's perfect in every way! Bow down! Whoa, whoa. Let's stay a while. Hitting it. Oh, dang. I overshot. We're at the end of time. Well, darn. After all that? Well, that was a giant waste. What were you going to show me? Oh, there's a really great internet video that was made in the year 1,204,653. It's so funny. All that for an internet video. It's a really good one. (sighs) Well, while we have all of the soundproofing of the end of time... Talk about comics? Yes. I'm Christina Edelman. And I'm Chris Edelman. And this is Chris's On Infinite Earth. The podcast where nothing will ever be the same. Welcome, readers, to part one of our Messiah War coverage. Yes, we are at the, the gooey center of the of the Messiah. Well, I think there's a third part to this, but this is this is a follow-up to Messiah Complex. All the X people are probably screaming at us into their headphones right now. It's okay. I'm not screaming at you because I don't know. <laughs> well, anyway, this is a this is a follow up to Messiah Complex. So much so that they give us a little bit of hey, if you forgot Messiah Complex, this is what happens at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know how I feel about. I mean, I I get that the similarity of naming is important because you know one follows the next. But there were definitely several times throughout this that I was like, Messiah, Messiah mm, what's the next part? It was uh, it's a, little, a little tough. Well, Messiah Complex is like an actual phrase. It has X in it. And they're like, Messiah. All right, let's go to the Marvel Dictionary. War. There we go. We got it. <laughs> I'm like, what? what makes this, you know, more of a war than Messiah Complex was? Well, in this case, there's only two groups fighting it. 
Is there? I feel like we're going to get a third party in the second half of this. Well, we shall see. We are covering the first four issues of this crossover, which are the intro one shot and then Cable 13 and 14 and X-Force 14. This is the X-Force era where they all wear black and gray. They look like they want to be Batman. <laughs> they do look like they want to be Batman. <laughs> well, we do have a little bit of business to take care of. We have to shout out a Kofi donor. Thank you uh, to Jason Large, who also, I think last episode, we shouted out as a new patron. He, so He's deciding to diversify his Chris's portfolio. I, I highly recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll give out our PayPal next episode. We can just <laughs> give directly. <laughs> Did we say thank you, Jason? Thank you, Jason. Oh, thank you, Jason. All right. Are we ready to dive into that summary? We shall. It is summary time. X-Force slash Cable, Messiah War number one, written by Craig Kyle and Christopher Yost, penciled and inked by Mike Choi and Dave Wilkins, colored by Sonia Obak, lettered by Corey Pettit, and edited by John Barber. Cyclops gives us, the reader, a quick rundown of Messiah Complex and what's been happening recently with Cable and Little Hope that he had jumped forward in time to raise Hope, and now she's a young girl. He also reminds us why Bishop is trying to kill Hope, to prevent Bishop's bad future. He also explains that he plans to send the current iteration of X-Force forward in time to give Cable some help, because frankly, uh, Cable should have been back by now. This entire time, Bishop has approached a mystery person in a bar and tells them that he can help find Cable. But this stranger says that Cable's dead, to which Bishop explains that he's been following Cable through time and accuses Nathan of poisoning the future. But actually, it's Bishop who's been doing this. Hank, for once, seems morally iffy about this mission to send X-Force forward in time and worries that Cyclops plans to execute Bishop. Cyclops reminds Beast it's not his call and that they send X-Force forward. X-Force apparently, though, was currently fighting a human hate monger known as the Leper Queen, and they were teleported mid-battle. They can't go back for some reason, so they start to do some recon. By the way, X-Force is currently Wolverine, Domino, Archangel, Elixir, X-23, Warpath, and... Vanisher? Sure, why not? Vanisher tries to teleport for recon, cannot for some reason, and then is shot. X-Force finds themselves under attack by Deadpool? Oh, also Vanisher is healed by Elixir, I guess. After they all make up, Deadpool explains that he knows when Cable is going to arrive, and they make the hike to Westchester. They find Cable and Hope, but also a trap, as it appears this future is occupied by a giant fortress of Apocalypse. And back at the bar, Bishop offers the mystery man the chance to have Apocalypse, and the man reveals he's Strife, Cable's clone... Cable 13, and also the credits for 14. Written by Dwayne Swarzynski, penciled, inked, and colored by Ariel Olivetti, lettered by Joe Caramagna, and edited by Axel Alonzo. Deadpool, at least this version, gives us the rundown. He helped fight against a rebellion by one of Cable's former allies, and then was accidentally trapped for 900 years. He was found by Strife's men. 
Strife had managed to overtake Apocalypse somehow and was now in charge. However, he was too far gone even for Deadpool, and Wade split. Cable thinks it's pretty odd, though, as there's no way Strife could beat Apocalypse by himself. And of course he didn't. He had Bishop's help. The two are searching for Cable and Hope, and we get a bit more of Bishop's plan. As Cable could only go forward in time, Bishop just had to set a time where Cable could most easily be caught. Wolverine and Cable get into a tiff about how good a job he's doing keeping Hope safe, and James reminds them that they need to get into this former Apocalypse City to take out whatever is keeping them stuck in this time. Oh, and Strife's goons suddenly appear. Uh-oh. X-Force number 14, written by Craig Kyle and Chris Yost, penciled, inked, and colored by Clayton Crane, lettered by Corey Pettit, and edited by John Barber. Bishop has a quick flashback about when he found hibernating Apocalypse and how it still took him and Strife together to kill the big guy at his very weakest. But then it's big fight time! Vanisher takes Elixir and Hope and beats feet at the orders of Wolverine, but Cable is less than thrilled. The goons let Strife know about Cable's arrival, but Bishop carefully tries to keep the presence of Hope a secret. The fight ends with our heroes on top, but Cable clearly has some issues trusting X-Force. Also, Archangel hears a voice calling his name and just splits. Helpful. After the battle, the team continue to head towards the city with some banter along the way. However, Strife decides he's done waiting and attacks our heroes. Well, Strife causes quite a bit of a... well, what his name means. He knocks most of the heroes off a cliff and captures Warpath and Hope. Meanwhile, Archangel enters a cave to find the person who had been calling his name, Apocalypse. Cable, issue 14. Turns out the cliff was more inconveniencing than deadly, and the crew make plans to go rescue their friends. Plans which Wolverine thinks are pretty poorly thought out. Strife tortures Warpath, who is pretty resilient, and who is also trying desperately not to think about Hope so as not to alert Strife to her importance. Bishop is thinking the same, and is having some guilt about having to kill a little girl. He's hidden a secret nano-weapon inside his arm and is preparing to use it at any time. In the cave, Archangel assumes that Apocalypse has called him for euthanasia purposes— But as he comes closer, Apocalypse says death is not what he had in mind. X-Force and company make plans to split up, with Cable, Wolverine, and Elixir going in for the rescue, and everyone else trying to take out whatever is keeping them in this time. Strife tries to figure out what Hope's deal is, and in doing so, Hope starts to maybe figure out who he reminds her of. A strange power feedback occurs, knocking Strife off balance for a moment. This gives Bishop an opportunity, and he levels his gun at Hope. In search of the time-stopper thing, Domino threatens Deadpool, and he reveals that the device is actually a person. Strife catches Bishop, physically restrains him, and reads his mind to find out Hope's importance. In the cave, a pleading apocalypse begs Archangel for help, but Warren leaves. Poor old man is pathetic. Cable, Elixir, and Wolverine fight through a ton of bad guys, with Cable determined to save his adopted daughter. And in the Citadel, Hope figures out who Strife is, or at least who she thinks he is. She assumes it's Cable, and Strife is all too eager to indulge. Alright, so it's been a bit since we've broken an event into more than one episode. 
Yeah, this one was seven issues, so it was just slightly longer than we like to do in one app. Plus, y'all really like X-Men, so uh, we figured we'd, we'd up that X-Men content. That X-Men content. Everybody loves those those mutants. They got powers, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but they didn't get them from something. They just have them. Now, we didn't only... <laughs> We didn't only read the first four issues of Messiah War preparing for this. No, we we read the prologue, which is the life and times of Lucas Bishop. Which was an interesting read. Yeah, it has one of my one of my favorite artists, but it, he's he's maybe not meant for the two thousands coloring. Some of them some of them kids look uh, a little strange. They kind of look a little bit like the adipose from Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. I was thinking they looked um, a little bit like, oh, who is the, the, the blobby guy from Deep Space Nine? They look like Odo? Yeah. <laughs> like, like Odo, if somebody really messed with the aspect ratio and made him too wide. Yeah. Yeah, a little blobby. It's a bit where a baby's born and you're like, is that a baby? Mm, I don't like that baby. You don't like that baby? No, I don't like that baby. Uh. Uh, but... You know, it gave a nice, a uh, little quick backstory on Bishop, which some of which you get in like actual comics, but some of the, a lot of this is just entirely like new backstory that we're getting, right? Yeah. Him being, being like a mutant cop, that was kind of where he was at the beginning of the series. So it's not completely unheard of, but the whole like the dark future is because of hope was kind of a retcon. Mm hmm. And, Which is still not, like, super explained. And his grandma maybe seeming like it's Storm? Is his grandma Storm? Meh, maybe. And he hangs out with Gambit? Yeah, that one. That, Gamb- that was, That's legit Gambit. Yeah, Gambit teaches him to be a teeth. Yep. <laughs> he kind of has a Fagin and, and uh, um, Oliver Twist sort of deal going for a little mm-hmm, bit. Mm-hmm. It's another bleak X-Men future. You know, they, they're everywhere. Yeah. Is that, do they, do we, we never get like a happy X-Men future, do we? Happy X-Men future. Yes. The one in Battle of the Atom was probably the, the nicest one, but it still, it wasn't like, it still wasn't like super nice. No. No. It was just like, it was, it was like a, it seems like a net, not positive or negative (laughs) compared to the future or the present. It was just different. Uh, Things never go well for the X-Men. Maybe this time. Maybe. Maybe. I'm surprised we haven't gotten any sort of, like, what's the future of Krakoa jumps yet. Uh, they're going to milk that. They are going to. That Krakoa content for as long as they can. Yeah, that's going to be. It, if if they're not on Krakoa for, like, five years, I'm going to be shocked. Like, five publishing years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think about what that would be in Marvel years, because I feel like. Like, like a, a couple weeks. <laughs> I feel like they deserve a nice, long Krakoa stint. Yeah, I think so, too. But just the way compressed time works, like, how long do they live at the mansion at this point? Was it like a year or something? <laughs> so, another another bleak future. Yep. You know, in you- the cartoon, they simplified this because they're like, man, kids aren't going to want a whole bunch. Bishop and Cable are from the same future. In the cartoon, it's just the bishop is from a much nearer point and Cable is from a much further point. Oh, well, that's very nice and simple. Yeah. Okay. They don't like doing that in comics, though. There are so many dark futures. Right? They're, fr- they're, they're like, Days of Future Past was like the first X-Men dark future. It is distinct from Bishop's. It is distinct from Cable's. 
I mean, I guess if it was a happy future, there would be no crisis. There would be no story. It would be like, hey, guys, the future's pretty happy. You Hope could you have... don't screw it up. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it would be, it would be <laughs> someone trying to ruin the future. That's my pitch for Marvel. I'm going to be like, X-Men alternate future. They're going to be like, get out. I'm going to be like, but it's happy. They're going to be like, come here. <laughs> You're hired. <laughs> Do we do we ever get more shard content? Yeah, shards and more stuff. And um, as far as I know, but she's she was like barely in this. She didn't even like talk. No, no. It's very Could, bishop focused. Okay, strange hypothetical here. Mm-hmm. Could shard be resurrected? I don't know if she ever shows up in the present. Right, because he just has like some sort of I don't know projection of her soul that comes with him. Right. I don't know, dear. That's that's too much even for me. <laughs> Readers. Because I don't think they have her DNA. Me. Like, that's oh. one thing is Sinister stole all their DNA. Mm. And Charles has their has their minds backed up to the cloud. So I don't know if they could do it. because yeah, she You can't resurrect, resurrect somebody that died in the future. Unless you went to the future and mm. got their DNA. Just, we're importing future mutants. <laughs> Hey, that's another pitch. <laughs> Marvel, alternate future. Get out. Importing future mutants. We're listening. <laughs> the end of the meeting, editors are just flinging money up in the air. Marvel, so hire many me. many pitches. This is our pitch episode. Sorry, guys. We were going to talk about Messiah War. Yeah, now it's a pitch episode. <laughs> Jordan White cannot listen to this episode. Uh, hmm. So is this your first strife exposure to the spike man the spiky Um, boy like i've definitely learned about strife and maybe read things where he was referenced to but i don't think where he was like actively a character that made decisions and influenced the story i think i've only gotten strife in like flashbacks or memories yeah i he cannot go to the bathroom in that thing there's no way it's a whole lot that got his spiky costume like, what is the benefit there? Uh, Looking impressive? Dark future. <laughs> Looking impressive. Yep. Okay. Yeah. We're, if this is the same strife, it is that strife is from the fa- same future as Cable, so he has now moved to another thing. I don't know how Bishop found him in a bar. I don't know if that's something we need to worry Why about. Why was everybody in the bar dead except for the bartender, which strife then killed the bartender at the end? Why was the bartender still serving them? I don't know. It's a whole lot. Well, Strife has Cable's powers, and you know what Cable's powers are. Well, Cable has, like, a whole smattering of, like, the, the little... So Strife did the little force bubble thing, which I feel like we don't actually see Cable Strife too much. Strife is just a strong telekinetic. Oh. Like, telepathic telekinetic. Mm-hmm. Cable is, too, but he has to use all his powers to keep his 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 virus at bay. That's right. Which is why he's often just... Chugga, 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 chugga. Yeah. It's strange. But Strife how- doesn't have to do that. Oh, okay. Because he doesn't have the techno organic virus. Has anybody ever thought about giving it to him? <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> <laughs> Someone's probably thought about it. Another pitch. <laughs> <laughs> just pitch, 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 pitch. <laughs> so early on, they were going to make Strife the actual child because it was. So, first cable was created. Right, right. And after Nathan Christopher Charles Summers was a baby. And we all thought 
Strife was going to be the actual right. Nathan. And I think for a while that was the plan. And then they then they pulled that old switcheroo. There's a there's an early crossover that we'll eventually cover where that kind of deals with that quite a bit. Okay. I love that one. It'll be a blast. <laughs> That'll be like a three episode or though. It's twelve issues. Man. Feels strange thinking about those. Especially when we started off with like one you know, per like, the like, old one purse. Well, no, like when we started this podcast we had like seven episodes of Secret Wars. Yeah. We did a one and then a two, 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 two. You know, we went from from really like decompressed, compressed. We really compressed the content. Yes. Yeah. There we go. Mm-hmm. Those are the words that I was looking for. Yeah. So X Force in this is very unlike the '90s X Force, which is like the extreme teen X Force. Mm-hmm. They've decided to just go like full like angry people, and the colors are all very dark and. Telford Porter, the Vanisher, is there, and he suddenly has face tattoos. He used to just be a weird man in the Silver Age. They're the goth X-Men. The goth goth (laughs) X-Men. This is not my favorite era of X-Force, but I had a roommate who really loved it. You know, everybody's got their thing. I think he thought that comics couldn't be fun. I think he thought they... But he loved Deadpool, so maybe not. I don't know. He loved Deadpool and X-Force. Comics had to be edgy funny. Yeah, probably. Um, The... The authors of this X-Force run, Craig Kyle and Christopher Yost, I once saw on a panel and they started talking about this. Mm-hmm. And I was like, boy, do I not. This is not. <laughs> uh, it was about Necrotia, which is a, which is zombie X-Men. We'll probably eventually get to it. They've, I think, since moved on to television, but they. Um, the writers, not, not Necrotia. Not Necrotia. That will never be on TV. <laughs> But th- this was kind of their era of X-Force. If you ask our friend Charlie Davis, I'm fairly certain they are n- not a fan of this era. <laughs> I don't know too many people who talk about it particularly fondly. Yeah, I don't know. Like, like I said, it's goth X-Men or X-Men where they're all trying to be Batman, which is kind of the same thing. Batman's just a big old goth. They got red glowy eyes sometimes. They sure do. Like What's they put on about? visors that just glow. <laughs> is that just for looks? Do it's they have night looks. vision? Yeah. Well... Oh, that's a good question. I don't I'm know. I'm pretty sure it's just for looks. It's just for looks. They're just they're just <laughs> trying to be scary. Th- those costume schemes kind of caught on for a while. Oh. Um. Now X Force, you know, we see them in the Krakoa era, and they get to finally wear colors again. They moved out of their goth phase. They did becoming adults. <laughs> Look at them growing up, getting closets. So another thing I had to research that if the readers didn't read before this, they might not know. Vanisher is a he is not here of his own free will. Mm. Elixir, ca- they captured him. And Elixir, who is a, he is a teen. They have brought a teen. Okay. Well, that's not, you know, unheard of. Right. He is an Omega level mutant. He can manipulate people's biology, which is why he can heal people. Oh, so it's more than just healing. It's bigger than healing. He's, yeah, he's an Omega level. He's one of the, um, um, one of the five now. Oh, that's right. Yes. He can also just mess with you. So he gave Vanisher a brain tumor and is like, you you got to do what we say or I won't cure the brain tumor, which is referenced in here. Like Vanisher. That, now, is, that, now that part makes sense. I right. thought I could look this up, but I'm like, I would spend forever, I think, trying to figure this out and it would take me down wormholes. So thank you. What a what a moral quote not even like gray area. <laughs> X Force is like give this dude a brain tumor. That is uh 
pretty rough. He was working, I think, for some bad guys, and they were trying to get him to. But yeah, like you'll yeah, notice that do weird things to reform people. Remember what they did with Sabretooth? They like like <laughs> like caged him up and forced him to th- do therapy with Charles. <laughs> <laughs> a very not licensed therapist. Yeah. Let me tell you what therapy would probably not work for anyone. <laughs> Sorry, we got to put this muzzle on you or the therapy's not going to work. <laughs> yeah, they're not, they're maybe not great at it. I don't know. Uh, who, how... who are the, the best mutants that the X-Men have managed to reform? Emma Frost, but she kind of just did it herself. Right. Right. No, she was not going to do therapy with Charles. Magneto in some ways, but he keeps he kind of swings yeah swings back and forth between bad and good. He's been good for a while though. I think as long as I've been reading comics, he's like monthly comics. He's been a good mm-hmm. character. Yeah. As soon as I asked that question, I actually just started thinking. I'm like, oh yeah, a decent amount. We're 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 villains to start with. Emma and Magneto are probably the big ones. I mean, now Apocalypse is mm-hmm. ostensibly right. a quote unquote good guy. He is currently like doing some some bad stuff. But I don't want to spoil current comics. We should spoil these old comics. Yes. Yes. We also we need to talk about Hope. Yeah. Uh, the last we saw of Hope, she was a babe. Uh huh. And by babe, I don't. I'm not. I'm sorry. Um, in our house, we call our children babes. We are not. We are not trying to <laughs> to sexualize the child. <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> she, last we saw her, she was a baby, and now she's probably like. A second grader or something. Uh, it's really ambiguous, considering that her face pretty much ninety eight percent of the time looks like an adult. Because <laughs> they just like they, like, they took sometimes the corners give, and just... <laughs> they sometimes give pigtails too. Yeah, I have so many screen captures that I did not even share of just hope looking terrifying. Why? Why? Why can people not draw children? I don't know. I feel like John Bogdanov should just open up like a institute on how to draw kids. I don't know. I mean, like, there's plenty of artists and cartoonists that are capable of drawing children. They just don't seem to be working on these X books. Several of the most popular newspaper comics of all time are about children, right? Like Peanuts, Calvin and Hobbes, right? Like, people can do it. It's not impossible. It's just these these guys are just used to drawing muscle boys. And they're like, boy, do I not know it how to do anything really else. It really takes you out of the book. I think the in the one shot, it was probably Hope was probably drawn the best, like looked like kind of a child. No. You don't think so? None of them. None of them. I would have screenshotted panels where she looked age appropriate, but there were none. There were some where I was like, uh, maybe this is not that bad, but there was none where I was like, oh yes, this looks like a child. <laughs> Christy's going to start drawing a comic with just children. You know, I am not a fabulous artist, but at least mine would look slightly more like a child. I understand, like, the eye proportions are different, guys. Mm. It's, it's, it's not the same. No, they sure don't They sure don't remember that. So, yeah, biology fact. You are literally born with the same size eyes that you will die with. It's just that your and face your grows. your ears and your nose always get bigger and bigger. So, eyes the same. Ears, ears, and ears, and nose small. Yep, they're real cute and little. They got, little but not noses. the eyes. No, they got big old eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Hope also doesn't get a lot in this, other than just kind of being, being yeah. a little scared. She, she's an incredibly ecstatic character, which I guess 
can make sense uh, in terms of her age, but seeing is like she has been so central to the conflict of not only this event, but Messiah Complex. I feel like we deserve to be more invested in her fate other than just, oh, she's a child and I guess she looks kind of cute in a weird adult way. Yeah, she is the MacGuffin of this. Like she is the she is more of an more an object than an individual. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. She gets to grow a little bit later and we start to get kind of hints of her powers in this. Which I mean you've read newer comics, so you probably remember Hope's powers. Christy definitely remembers Hope's powers. Hope's powers are you know, I was about to reference heroes. You didn't watch heroes either, right? No. That's fine. We 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 should not go back and watch Heroes. Man, that first season, though, had a lot of promise. But her power is that if she's around you and you have a power, she gets the power. Oh. Yes. Okay. She kind of has, like, a power sympathy sort is of it, deal. Is it ever a st- Like, she, does she ever actually, like, murder all those people that she's supposed to have murdered? No, I don't think so. <laughs> but, okay. I mean, the world's fine and she's I mean, a yeah. Teen. Yeah. Yeah. Things to think about. Yep. Things to wonder. Things to wonder. Right now, she's also one of the five, so you know, oh, that's, she's hanging out. That's right. She's like the she's the part of the five that's like rah rah rah, and that's kind of how her power works. Like they can't do it without her being like like amplifying. Yeah, and, everybody else's. Ampli- oh, that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty great. It's just nice. Kirko <laughs> <laughs> is just nice. Christy's gonna go back and read Hawks Fox and just be like. What a well, this is just pleasant. You know, I just can we have a do we, we don't have a title about just like the fives day to day. No, they're supposed to be a little bit more. I think they're supposed to be appearing more in X Factor mm-hmm. since the premise of X Factor is investigating all the deaths. Oh yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. but, yeah. That's Leah's book. That is Leah's book. Mm-hmm. But no, I would like it if the five had their own book and it was just it was just chills. But you can't really do a comic about that. Sure you could. Sure Next you pitch. Could. Next pitch. <laughs> Christy Pitch Edelman over here. <laughs> so Deadpool, he was literally just so far just kind of just kind of placed there. Yes, I we we don't really have a sense of his importance or lack thereof. Yes, and this is one of my least favorite Deadpool periods, which was when he was starting to become quite ubiquitous in Marvel Comics. There were several ongoing Deadpool comics at one time. Oh. And he was being written by Daniel Way, and the, the people have called this era meme pool. I get that. Like, it, it, it almost reads like a caricature of Deadpool. So, our comic book uncle. Yes. Un- uncle Jerry Duggan. Uncle Jerry Duggan kind of took this in a nice like he took this deadpool and like turned him into like something good still funny but like not just like overly reliant upon like incredibly current memes g-dugs is good like that it's true g-dugs you should read that ryan Uh, i'm sure he would love it if you read it and tweeted about it he'd probably talk to you about it you're you're his favorite (laughs) i'm very easy to like it's true (laughs) i am i am not controversial (laughs) In any way, shape, or form. You're just very sweet. <laughs> so, Unless you draw bad, bad children. Yep, then, then I'm not sweet. Then you're not sweet. So don't don't draw bad children. So Bishop in some of the issues of this comic kind of just looks like not Bishop. He looks like a kind of gray-colored muscle man. Mm-hmm. And that's bad. It's real bad. 
I uh, tweeted out some panels and I was like, this is just Vin Diesel, right? Like, well, and there's also like a history there. Black folks in like the sixties were not colored like their actual skin tone. They were colored like kind of a weird dark gray. Right. Which was supposedly because of problems with coloring techniques, but that doesn't make sense. I don't understand it because other things were brown. Right. And like blacks and browns existed in comics, so I do not understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it is definitely inexcusable in like what, 08 or something whenever this came oh, out. Oh, yeah. It's awful. It's weird. Like um, he just didn't, he didn't look like a black man at all. No. Uh, there's some issues that are better than others, but like the bit where he, he's having his like, all right, don't think about hope. Don't think about hope. Mm-hmm. Don't think about hope. I'm like, this guy, who is this guy? He does not even look like Bishop. Oh, it, I think it was Ariel Olivetti's art of him that was just, that was the that was the Vin Diesel panels that I was just like, no, this isn't Bishop. I don't know who it is. I do wonder, uh, and to give like credit where none is due, with his weird like over mechanical arm mm-hmm. and the fact that he was, I wonder if they were supposed to try to be making him look like Cable a little bit, and that like the Bishop becoming like a monster is like a big theme of like the cable run that this is this is kind of Mm -hmm. in the middle of he is literally like burning the future to make cable run away from it so that he can eventually get him into a spot where he can't run which i feel like that wasn't very clear we had like one page of all of these different futures where cable and hope were at like getting systematically like right but bishop just says that cable did it and if you didn't weren't reading cable at the time you maybe you were you maybe just take his word for it. So cable at this time we were getting all of these um different futures that he was in in more detail and him being chased by Bishop. Uh-huh. Leading up to this event. Okay. Okay. And this is I mean this is a crossover like a lot of the crossovers we do are very much these like big event mini series. This was very much like a happening in the middle of two runs sort of crossover which all is right. with, like the one capstone issue at the at the top yeah interesting structure there it, it, ha- it happens a lot you know that spider women crossover was basically the same thing oh yeah spider women was fun yeah maybe we'll cover that event that would be nice it, yeah it was pretty pleasant we don't we don't cover pleasant things <laughs> joking <laughs> christy hates every second of this <laughs> If we ever cancel this cross or this this podcast it will just be to do something like just unbearably nice that sounds lovely we're not planning on canceling the podcast anytime soon right but it would be it'd be nice to do nice things i'm just daydreaming now and this is an auditory (laughs) medium and that does not bode well it does not come through for for content here you have me daydreaming on pods it's true before we go to accolades we need to talk about sad old man apocalypse oh yeah I do like that they allude to the fact that they had to find him when he was at his absolute weakest or there was no way they could beat him. Yeah, fair. So they have to find fair. they have to find him when he's like waking up. It's like, all right, Apocalypse's alarm goes off. No, it's actually they go to ten minutes before his alarm goes off, like when you're really groggy. And they're like he's like, whoa, and they're like, pew. <laughs> <laughs> what was that again? That he was like, effect? whoa, and they were like, pew. Yeah. Pew is a Christy favorite sound effect. Love it. Yep. Here for those pew pews. <laughs> we get this archangel, like, kind of going and going, like, no, like, I'm not your guy anymore. This kind, 
This is a repeated motif with Archangel. It will come up in another X-Force run. Woo! Yeah, I think there's a real problem with some writers just wanting to use a thing, doing it, and then some other writer just wanting to do it again. Yeah. I feel like the Archangel Apocalypse stuff is kind of one of those. It's just like when Storm gets over her claustrophobia and in the, ne- in the next arc has claustrophobia. <laughs> yeah, I kind of like that. All right, well, let's get into accolades. Yeah, accolades. So, Christy, I want to tell you my best line. Oh, please tell me your best line. Hit me with that best line. So Domino is talking to Warpath and says, you ever time travel before? And Warpath says, I honestly don't remember. (laughs) (laughs) That was a good one. Oh. Mine is actually uh, some some narration that we get from Bishop, um, who's kind of given us some backstory. And Bishop says, uh, which made Strife a heavily armored psychotic mutant with daddy issues and something to prove. In a way, he was the perfect partner. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all just want somebody with daddy issues and something to prove? You tell me. <laughs> All right, Christy, who's your greatest hero? Uh, I had uh, to give my greatest hero to Elixir. Okay, why are you giving it to this this Bieber-haired teen? Um, because, I don't know, he, he, he just was there and did good things. Nobody seemed like they were really doing good things. He just kind of healed people. He, <laughs> he had, healed he hope. A pistol. I love that they're like, oh, here, kid, have a pistol, heal everybody. <laughs> Like, he had his hand on, like, Cable's, like, gushing blood neck. Boy, Cable gets, like, a chunk shot out of him at one point. I don't know. I just felt like, out of all of them there, it seemed, like, the most useful. Yeah. Because it felt like our our quote-unquote heroes at this point, which I guess heroes is somewhat... Everyone's so mad in this. They are so mad. Like, he's the one that did the least harm and the most good. I gave mine to Warpath. Because he was like, yeah, I will absolutely do anything to protect Hope. And he even got tortured and was basically like giving Strife the middle finger the whole time. That was very heroic. I will agree with you there. But I love Warpath. I feel like Warpath is... So Colossus is like a big, strong, sad man, but he does a lot of terrible things. I feel like (laughs) Warpath could be that, but he hasn't done any terrible things. He's just like always good. Yay for yay for those good those good boys. I love Warpath. He is one of my absolute favorites. I don't know if I've seen you gush like this about Warpath. I th- I think I'm starting to realize that the more I read him, I I'm loving this journey for you. Yes. He was originally in Emma Frost's Massachusetts Academy, which was like the bad new mutants, but he was like, I don't like being a bad a bad new mutant. <laughs> and I think that's that's great. Man, I love Warpath. Jimmy Jimmy's so good. His older brother was, like, the first X-Men who died and has never come back. No. That's sad. It is. Why, why has... Soon, though, soon, right? Soon, right? There's like, no everybody's got to come back. I love that John... So, to take a quick tangent, I love that Jonathan Hickman, I think I think he's even said in an interview, he's like, well, everybody's back. Like, do you like a mutant? They're back. Like, right. Of course they're back. Even if they're not in a story yet, they're yeah, just they're back. back. <laughs> and I'm like, well, yeah. <laughs> Sounds great. What about your uh, coolest moment? Mine was uh, where Strife kind of was like Darth Vader in Return of the Jedi. So there's the bit where Luke and Darth Vader are fighting in the Emperor's throne room. I'm mm-hmm. doing I'm doing lightsaber hands, everybody. Yes. Um, 
Christy can 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 confirm lightsaber hands are being done. Can confirm. <laughs> and Luke kind of hides for a moment, and but Darth Vader like senses his thoughts, and he's like, "Sister, you have so." You have a twin sister. <laughs> Strife kind of has one of those where he's like, mutant messiah. So you have a mutant <laughs> messiah. <laughs> and I liked that he realized it. And then like Bishop immediately tried. It just like went to chaos all really quick. Uh, like Bishop was like, try to shoot hope and like Strife blocks the bullet. And Bishop's like, unleash my weird little like nano thing. And Strife's like, yeah, that's absolutely not going to do it. guy. <laughs> I, I thought that moment was like, I think a lot of this crossover was paced weirdly so far. Yeah. But I feel like that was a bit where I was, have you ever read like a, just a full and complete comic where you didn't quite realize how quickly you were reading it because it was just like, you, like it was just flowing. Mm-hmm. This is kind of, that bit of the comic felt that way to me. Like it just seemed like it flowed. Mm. No, I, I definitely, I can, I can sense, I get what you're, what you're saying there with the, it flowing that did work really well for me. A lot of reading these first four issues felt like reading just a ton of exposition of how we got where we are. So if I grabbed somebody who knew a little bit about X-Men, mm-hmm. maybe from cartoons, maybe they're probably around our age. And I said, Hey, here's some cable and X-Force comics. You know what? It has a lot of talking. <laughs> <laughs> they probably would not believe me. <laughs> oh. Well, but it does. It's like, it's like so much arguing. A lot of, like, Wolverine popping his claws and being mad. Too many pages of Deadpool talking. Boy, I'm not a fond of this Deadpool. And I even, I'm kind of a Deadpool apologist compared to a lot of people. But, like, there's What a do you lo- have to apologize to Deadpool about? No. <laughs> it's just, Deadpool can be really bad. Like, I think when he's good, he can be, like, really funny and you can really enjoy reading him and all this stuff. But, like, when he's bad, it's just, like, dreadful. Mm-hmm. Isn't that a nursery rhyme? When he is good, he is very, very good. And when he is bad, he is horrid. He is horrid. That's true. Mm -hmm. Sounds like they're talking about some children. Am I right? I don't remember the beginning of that nursery rhyme. (laughs) Just that bit. That's the bit that that sticks with you. Well, Christy, what's your coolest moment? My coolest moment was the moment to me that felt like the 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 biggest, the best, like reveal. Just Warren discovering apocalypse and we get that cliffhanger at the end it was such a big moment to me that starting the next next issue i was like oh wait strife captured hope and warpath i missed i I forgot about that i just was hanging on that apocalypse reveal i feel like he has to come back or i'm just gonna be mad because it otherwise that that feels like it meant nothing right but it was it like the that cliffhanger is super cool so i completely feel you yeah I'm a sucker for a good cliffhanger. What about your silly villainy? Mine is that Bishop decided to ally himself with a telepath and was like, I'll just <laughs> never think about my... <laughs> Anything for like a dozen years. Yeah, about about Hope, the, the person I'm chasing. I just won't think about it. Okay. I love that there's even thought bubbles in this where they're like, try not to think about Hope. And I'm like, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> uh, Bishop was playing the game and he lost. Ah, uh, I just lost the game. I just lost the game, too. Uh, my silly villainy, I gave to Strife just for, like, his total, like, yes, I'm going to be your father now. <laughs> Look at me. I'm I'm your father now. <laughs> yeah, Strife's plan is I am daddy. <laughs> we'll just see how that pans out for him in the back half of this. Oh. Uh. 
How about the Key of C Award? All right. So, readers, our Key of C Award is a patron-created accolade uh, given to a moment that we feel would be enhanced by a musical number. Yes. And this could be a moment that's already in the comic or a moment that we feel like should be there to expand upon an emotion or storyline. This makes it sound like that's yours. Ha ha. <laughs> well, mine is Archangel and Apocalypse. I feel like they could have had a good duet as opposed to like five Ooh. five speech balloons. Ooh, I like that. We could have had I, some I would some have flashbacks. loved uh, um, Warren having kind of like starting that song at the beginning and then we get like this quiet harmony joining in from apocalypse mm-hmm. uh and, who eventually like takes over the song oh. and we, we have like a little bit of twist of the words of the refrain to fit a po- i like this i like your key of c it sounds like it's probably gonna be better than your key of c <laughs> So my key of C, because I was not reading this cable run, we have like one page of basically Cable's journey with Hope and her growing up in the different lives that they led. And there's this especially like poignant set of panels in 2276 where it looks like they have a little homestead. They do. And, they and, live with a lady. And they live with a lady. And it looks like it was really happy and beautiful. And I feel like we needed... I feel like Hope needed a song, a growing up song. Oh. Mm-hmm. Kind of her, do you want to build a snowman? Yes. Yeah. Actually, kind of like exactly that. Kind of exactly that. <laughs> You're a sucker for a homestead. I really am. Man, Little House on the Prairie was a great read growing up. Boy, it's problematic, though. <laughs> I don't remember it well enough to contextualize that, how problematic it is right now and i think i'll leave it that way i think i'll just leave my fond uh, homesteading memories where they are we have our own homestead you can just remember our homestead it's a it's a yard but we grow a lot of produce you haven't built me a house of mud and covered it in in, in sod yet from the prairie not yet not yet <laughs> that was I a bad a- house though it leaked i want an earthen home <laughs> i don't know but it Stuck with me how cool that was. It's not. Up. They talked about how much it leaked. I remember. I don't remember that part. Too. I just remember thinking about a house that would grow things on the on the on roof. It. Yeah, we'll just make a hobbit house. I want that too. Yeah, I would love a hobbit. House. <laughs> Real talk, a hobbit house would be completely great. It's pretty we, dark. Can we just get enough dirt to cover our home? <laughs> I would. I would really like an eco roof. I think. Th- I don't under they they clearly can work. They are there's one on top of our our polar egg, polar bear exhibit at the zoo, which looks so cool. It does look super cool, and apparently, like the soil pretty much just like eats up most of the water. So love it. Sounds great, and love you can still have gutters. Yeah, I would love it. You know, if we had like and a million dollars, if we had a, a house. if we had a million dollars, let's think about how eco friendly we could be. We're the biggest <laughs> dorks. <laughs> A boat? No, sir. <laughs> we just want to live in the dirt. <laughs> we could grow wildflowers on our roof. Oh. <laughs> Daydreaming does not suit a podcast. It does not. I'm sorry. So let's wrap this up so we can go night dream because it's the evening. <laughs> it is. It's getting close to our bedtime. <laughs> All right. 
Well, readers, uh, thank you for joining us on this on this whimsical adventure in the first half of Messiah or Messiah War. See, told you it's tough. It is very tough. Is there anything we wanna we wanna plug real quick? Oh, pick up Ash and Thorn number two. Yes, from Ahoy Comics. There's, Be- there's a really talented new writer that made his debut in Ash and Thorn number two. I don't know. Everybody's talking about it online. Chris, can you tell us a little bit about it? Oh, I have I have a short story in Ash and Thorn number two from Ahoy Comics. It's one of the back matter stories. It is, uh, I think, technically my first paid published fiction work. Mm-hmm. People have told me they liked it. I, I hope you all liked it. I really it. liked it. I got to read it before everybody else. <laughs> Christy's, Christy's making everybody <laughs> jealous. I've had it in the tank since, like, January, so I'm glad that it's finally coming out. <sighs> COVID made things a little... Mm-hmm. Hard to hard to to come out. It's also on their website, so you don't if you don't have to buy Ash and Thorn if you don't want to. But if you do, and they suddenly have like this huge spike in why did Ash and Thorn number two sell like so many more copies? It, they're like it's got to be that Chris Edelman guy. Yeah, we should have him write more things. Yeah, I would love to leverage this into <laughs> writing more things. I don't think it's going to happen, but. It's good stuff. So definitely check it out. And if you want to get in touch with uh, us or the the podcast, you can follow us on Twitter or Facebook at Chris's Pod. You can email us for long form messages at Chris's on Infinite Earths at gmail.com. And if you would like to monetarily support the podcast, you can do so at patreon.com or at Kofi uh, for those one time donations. That's right. We love five-star reviews on iTunes, Stitcher, even Facebook, I guess. Mm-hmm. When if you have a review that you've written, we'll read it out on the show. I always love reading those reviews that have some, some fun color commentary in there, just because somebody knows it's going to get read out on the show. And we, we know it's a tough time for everybody, so everybody just hang in there. Take care of yourselves. Yeah. Listen to your favorite podcasts more. Yeah. Even if it's not this one... Hopefully it's this one. If you've made it this far, it, this it's got to be in your, gotta like, be your top there. five. It's got to be up there. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, readers. And until next time. Slay your enemies and all you desire shall be yours. <laughs>